Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast Front Page. On front page with me this morning, KK Tan, analyst on local and global affairs, also newspaper columnist, and Luke Manhari's anchor at Astro Awani. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's take a look at this first headline. Um, combating corruption linked to the recruitment of migrant workers should begin with returning the process back to the Human Resources Ministry, says Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission Chief Latifa Koya. You know, I, I feel that this is something that should have been done years ago. Why wasn't it done years ago, Kekitan? I suppose you have to look at it very objectively that when you are recruiting foreign workers, the argument used previously was it involved the Immigration Home Ministry. And that was seen as by parties or forces concerned who want to control it as the main issue. This is wrong. Okay, The approach is wrong. Immigration Department is merely the processing mm-hmm. agency. We first have to need ask ourselves, do we need foreign workers? And we agree there is a need for it from various countries. It, all these requirements of the needs has to be done by the Human Resource Ministry mm-hmm. because they are the ones responsible for assessing the requirements for such people. So once they agree, it's a question of, I, I see immigration is merely a processing agency under the Home Ministry. Right. So I agree with you absolutely that this should have been done many, many years ago. Right. Yeah, but does it make sense that a key factor of controlling our human capital aspect it's not given to the human resources ministry which is mm. what they're supposed to do and I'm mm. sure the home ministry is one of the biggest if not the biggest ministry I- in this country uh, it's just so big you can't focus on everything there are plenty of chances for things to fall through the cracks as we've seen so this is a move long overdue right now if this does happen right uh, all this um, uh, recruitment of migrant workers goes to the human resources ministry do you feel that the instances um, leading to corruption could be lessened. I think this case of corruption is more linked to abuse of power. As you said earlier, the whole ministry is a very powerful ministry. Immigration is a very powerful ministry. I always feel this concept of unfettered power always corrupts. When you're very powerful and there's very little check and balance, you tend to Mm. corrupt. And I feel that basically this is a civil case and this is a civil requirement by private sector mostly in Malaysia mm-hmm. and homes like, for the maids. So it should be processed or it should be uh, initiated and organized by the HR ministry. Of course, immigration has to screen, has to do their usual work. You know, mm-hmm. Like I say, they, they, they should be involved. I'm not saying that they should not be involved at all. They should be involved in the sense of clearance of these immigrant workers according to the rules to meet our requirements. That's all. Yeah. I'm optimistic that this will stifle out corruption, at least reduce it. This is what essentially the Human Resources Ministry does. Um, they have frameworks, they have people, they have agencies under them that take care of human recruitment uh, aspects and all those things. So I would like to believe at least theoretically they will be able to do it more efficiently. Again, the whole ministry is very powerful, it's very big. Mm-hmm. So the bigger you are, there are more chances for things to fall through the cracks, through the holes. So looking at the facts and how things operate in these two ministries, I, I am optimistic that it will be leaner and it will be cleaner. All right. Bentong MP Wong Tak has uh, slammed Entrepreneur Development Minister Datuk Sri Muhammad Rizwan Muhammad Yusuf for saying that Pakatan Harapan Manifesto does not include closing down Linus Malaysia, uh, Sindrian Berhad's plant. Um, during the pre-election period, Pakatan Harapan made it pretty clear that Linus was something detrimental to all Malaysians. So why this U-turn? Here's what I think, okay? And I've said this not too long ago on this show, mm. if, if you remember, Shaz. This concept of U-turns. Yes, 
they did promise it. Those who want to criticize that, that they are not, you know, following through and on on their promises, I understand that. And it's their right, which is technically true. And it's technically a U-turn because you promise one thing and then yeah. you don't do it. But if you look at the bigger picture here, what's the concern? The concern is that Linus is detrimental to the environment and to the local communities. Mm-hmm. So that concern has to be addressed, right? We're trying to go for a win-win situation here. Linus brings tremendous economic benefits. That's for sure, in terms of investment. But does it come at the expense of the environment? So if the government is to be believed and what the Prime Minister said uh, is to be believed, they have conducted All additional studies mm. and they have imposed further you know, guidelines or rules or whatever you want to call it to be stricter on liners and say, look, if you want to continue to operate, you have to follow by these four or five new rules to ensure that you don't ruin our environment. In that regard, the environmental concerns are lessened if not eradicated. But in my opinion, to get rid of Linus altogether is also not wise, despite having promised to do that, because it would mean an exodus of investments. So again, this U-turn part, yes, technically it is U-turn, if you want to say it is Mm U-turn, I understand that. But the government at the end of the day has to make the hard decisions for the benefit of the people, even if it means admitting that they were wrong. So I think this is the way to go. Uh, do not kick them out of the country because they will bring tremendous economic benefits to the local and you know regional communities. But make sure they do things the right way. All right, Kiki, your thoughts? This is always a tough question. I remember during the Rio Earth Summit in 1992, June. This is the first time the heads of governments in the world got together to discuss the issue of environment. I was an advisor to the government then. It's where all the climate treaty and all this major convention on environment came about. This big debate there and has, has always been what we call sustainable business development. How to balance the needs of business, as what Lukman is saying, mm-hmm. versus the consequences on the environment. This is a very, very tricky area because they have conflicting requirements, conflicting perspective. From the NGO's point of view, it's never good, good, good enough. Business will always destroy the environment one way or another. From the business point of view, they say the NGOs are unreasonable, they're curbing economic development. So where do you draw the line? I think the problem is that early on, we must be fair that the manifesto did say something about Malaysia not being used as a dumping ground yeah. for yep. toxic waste. So that point of it is covered. I just want to raise a point. But going back, I think the trouble is also is the government engaged people to do the technical studies Mm -hmm. which I don't think is enough I think what you should have done and it's never too late to invite a big global think tank that Economics Intelligence Unit the EIU Uh to do a more holistic study on both the business aspect versus the environmental consequences. Mm-hmm. So these people can can't come up with a big picture, you know, because right now it's only one on the technical aspect yeah. mm-hmm. and environmental aspect. They should try to balance out the business needs and get somebody big, world-class, independent, you know, to do a study. It may not cause an arm and a leg, but I think it's required to satisfy both sides. Okay. Uh, a former top cop has defended the return of the cremains of the deceased Ching Peng, saying there is no issue as the Communist Party of Malaya th- that the man once led is no longer a threat. What I want to know is what is really the main issue here. Is it because of the hype behind the return of his ashes and how a group had gone about it with banners and photos? Obviously, you know, it's kind of inflammatory especially to uh, Malaysians who have lost key family members during the communist resurgency and whatnot. What are your thoughts here KK? My concern is that this whole thing could be made again into a race issue because Jinping was a Chinese. Yep. The point I'm saying is that we signed the Hatai Peace Accord 
And like the former IGP, Tan Sri Rahim Noor said, we signed it with a third country, a friendly third country, Thailand, who helped to broker the deal. Mm-hmm. And I think what we had to do is to honour the spirit of the agreement. I understand there was a clause that says that if they choose, if these leaders choose to return to Malaysia, they have one year to decide. And those who did not exercise this right to return are not allowed to return. To right. me, these are just technicalities. The CPM, the Communist Party of Malaya, abided by the agreement. They did mm-hmm. their part. The party was disbanded in 1989 and it's no longer a threat, no longer an issue. We face much serious threat today. Yes, exactly. So what's the big deal about? Well, what is the issue then? Is yeah. it, you know, insulting to the memory of the Not necessarily. I mean, you have to look at it again. We have to move yeah. on the country as what Mahathir said, the Prime Minister. We have to move on. We have gone through a terrible period. You have to look at the global mm-hmm. perspective of this issue. You know, there has been peace accord in Bolivia with the F- FRAC in 2016. Even after apartheid, there was a Truth and Reconciliation Commission that tried to basically reconcile with the past and let the nation move on. Mm. Northern Ireland, you have a peace accord. Southern Philippines, there was a peace accord, which I think Malaysia helped to broker as well. We are all for peace. Once you come to an agreement, stick to the peace and show that we are gentlemen about it. Uh, magnanimous about it. Okay. Don't go trivial on small issues. You know? We are not the only country which have gone to, through suffering of civil war, as KK mentioned. All these countries have chosen to move on. I do not for a moment discount the pain and suffering brought forth by uh, the Communist Party back in the day, led by Chin Peng. I'm sure we all have parents or grandparents mm-hmm. who uh, were directly or indirectly um, victims of that suffering. My, look, my grandfathers were in the army, fighting them one-on-one, basically, and, and we saw the suffering. Mm-hmm. But yes, at a time when our politics is more divisive than probably ever, this is very welcome for those who like to play the race card and make this into a racial issue. Right. If you want to dwell on the past, there, were, uh, there are a million things that should agree for you, which is pointless. I mean, the Japanese caused unbelievable, unimaginable suffering back in the day, even more than the communists. But now, do we hate them? Are we enemies? We go to Japan, we improve relations, we ask mm-hmm. for samurai bond because we have to look for the future. Mm-hmm. So to dwell on this is blowing the whole thing out of proportion because the threat is no longer there. It's confined to a chapter in the history books and to blow this up to become a racial issue and a political pawn is not just inappropriate or irresponsible. It is basically unpatriotic and bordering, bordering on treasonous because this is dividing our society. And uh, the government must ensure they have enough lawmakers in parliament to ensure they pass the budget 2020s as MCA president, Datuk Sri Dr. Wee Ka Siong. Are members of parliament showing disrespect to their respective constituency by not showing up to parliament sessions? You know, coming up with excuses that seem borderline absurd, like it's too cold. Yes, it is disrespect. I think it's a shame. Yeah, We're just merely asking them to do their jobs. This is a slap in the face of the democratic institution, a slap in the face of voters who voted them in to sit there and fight for their issues. For them to say that is, I think, unacceptable. And to rub salt to the wounds, they use excuses like that, that the the room is too cold and all those things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be crude and talk about money, but these people make a lot of money. Their allowances as MPs are very high. Many times the median income of a lot of people in Malaysia, they make the high teens every month. And on top of that, if you're a minister or a deputy minister, you get almost double that. Wow. So they are paid handsomely for it. Before the elections, they campaigned with their 
all their hearts. Yes. And now they're going to say that the room is too... This conti is too cold, Shaz, but you just come <laughs> to work every day and you just do your job well. Yeah. So, so this is... I, I, I don't want to say a betrayal, mm. but it's close to that. It's, mm. it's a betrayal to the people's trust. I think a lot of our MPs on the Pakatan side, number one, there are a lot of them are quite inexperienced. And they have been given, I feel also they've been given too many things to do. That is their problem. Like Lord Lukman say, it is their responsibility to attend parliament as a member of parliament. They can't run away from that. So they will have to just find ways and means to manage their time. This is time management. Mm. And really, I also say, it's a failure of the parliamentary whip of each party. Because it's their job to ensure the attendance of the MPs. So I think this question should be directed at the parliamentary whips, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are ultimately responsible. But it was the whip who said that, you know, um, they were too busy and they go to events until late at night and then they have to come in the morning. If I'm not mistaken, that came from from the whip, right? There's no excuse, like you say. (laughs) They have a job to do, okay? Mm -hmm. And they have to get around. Unless it's something as an emergency, it's something they can't get around it. Yeah, we're not asking for every one of them. I think it's a job the whip to organize. Okay, today you got something a lot more yep. important. You go, Shas, you got something less important. You have to you attend have the to, parliament. Yeah, exactly. This is job of the whip, okay, to make sure there's enough quorum and enough numbers to mm-hmm. see through a motion. Former Finance Minister Tun uh, Dr. Daim Zainuddin was a key speaker at a conference organized by Asli on poverty in Malaysia, reality versus perception. And he stressed that Malaysians need to be united in order to grow the country's economy and in the process eliminate poverty. Um, was Tun Daim having a Marie Antoinette moment there? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, when I saw him on the panel, I was like, oh, this is uh, ironic and interesting. Cake, right? Yes. How has race relations affected poverty levels in our country? He didn't really share any figures or studies or things like that. But the, I agree with the general theory. I, I, I agree with because because it's hard to disagree with, with what he said in the sense that we have to be one Malaysia. We have to be united for the country to become well off. And you talk about this mm-hmm. shared prosperity. So, yeah, he's right in that sense. I mean, this is going to sound a bit corny, but it's true economically also is true one of the biggest assets that a country can have is its diversity because with diversity you have different skill sets you have different worldviews you have different mindsets uh, you have different capabilities so look at a country like the US which is now you know the number one economy in the world which is a global superpower it is one of the most you know diverse countries in sense of its demographics how you utilize that how you maximize on your diversity will become very valuable economically. So we have not really been doing that mm-hmm. so well over the past 30 or 40 years. Uh, now is the time to change. Tunda Im is in a very good position because he has the ear of the PM. He has a big say in all the, at least financial and economic policies. Mm. So I think, although I agree with him, it's time to put all these theories into action and inspire the people to work together for the benefit of all. All right. KK, what do you think? Well, this whole issue about race and elevation of property was given focus after May 13 with a new economic policy uh, which is focused on restructuring society. I think if you look at new economic policy, it's actually quite a fair and progressive policy. What people are not happy about is implementation. It actually says to help anyone irregardless of race yes. mm. who is actually mm. poor. Critics are saying that you know it's not been implemented. It's the implementation that became a big issue. And I think after more than 40 years, you know, nearly 50 years of 
NEP, we have to move on and not identify any policies to raise. We have to look ourselves, as Lokman say, as a Malaysian race. Yes. We have to focus ourselves as a Malaysian race that we must help anyone that's poor. To me, poverty and hunger is the greatest social crime of humanity. So we are essentially part of the human race, period, you know. All right, and on that note, I want to thank you both for uh, sharing your thoughts this morning on Front Page. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, Lukman Hari's anchor at Astro Awani and KK Tan, analyst on local and global affairs and newspaper columnist on Front Page here on Light.